So we just sang these words, these lyrics. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came and gave amazing grace. Do you ever just stop to really think about the significance of those lyrics, those words? Bearing all my sin and shame and you gave me amazing grace. So many times, the only time that I, I, I often hear people talk about that is Christmas, Easter, and, and when trying to lead someone to Jesus. But the reality is the truth of those words should bear weight for us every single day of our lives. Now, this was supposed to be a, a, a kid's illustration today, but two weeks ago we, we talked about um, part of the fourfold gospel. We talked about the cross, and, and we talked about how Christ is our Savior and the significance of his atonement to, to, that, that meets us when we accept him, that washes away our sin, that, that, that frees us from the power and the, and the bondage that sin has over us and now he has, he has freed us to live the life that he's called us to live. And um, I, I just want to give an illustration to, to the significance of that and how it applies to, to today's message. So this bottle says sin on it, right? And, and when we're born or, or when we sin, what happens is that uh, the, the sin um, dirties up the water. So we're, we're born with this, um, you know, not, it, it affects everything, this, this cancer of sin that's in our lives. And and majority of us in our whole entire lives, we, we know that something is wrong, but yet we, we take our own power and, and we try to do something, but nothing happens. We use our own power, our own thing, trying to wash away our guilt, trying to wash away all the bad things we've done. And the significance of Christ and what he came to do and the significance of his finding is that Christ's power and Christ's blood, when it misses up, what it does is it clears up everything that's inside. And so the power of his blood is the only thing that, that, that can wash us clean. But that was the significance of what we talked about two weeks ago is that we spend our lives trying to do good things, trying to wipe away um, all the bad we do. But the reality is, is that no matter how good we are, it's not going to take away sin. It's not going to take away the penalty of sin. And last week, we talked about that God's grace, God's power, God's, God's blood is what has the power to cleanse us. And so this morning, I want to keep going further because the question is, is that when we accept Jesus, I don't know about you, but, but when I accepted Jesus, I was so excited, but I asked the question, what's next? Like, okay, I believe in Jesus. What do I do from here? Where do I go? And, and, and I have no knock against um, revivals and those things because I believe they're necessary and I believe you know Simpson and, and Tozer and, and Moody they were all 
revivalists who, who did amazing things, who, who did tent meetings. And this morning I found out that, that this church used to do them and you would spend weeks uh, just celebrating what Jesus has done. And a lot of times revivals would, would invite people into salvation, like come to Jesus, these, these come to Jesus moments. But then most of the time it ends. And a lot of times, like, they, somebody leads you to Jesus, and then they're like, okay, here you go. Have a good day. Like, you're, you're free. Angels are celebrating, and that's great. And, and that's something to celebrate when you place your faith in Jesus. But most of the time, we're left wondering, okay, what do we do next? What happens? Like, uh, I have excitement, but I don't feel different. I don't look different. And I accepted Jesus a couple weeks ago and I haven't acted much differently. Like I'm still falling in the sin and I'm still doing things. And it's like, okay, what do I do? What happens? And so this morning I want to talk about that next step in, in, into salvation and what that means. And, and we're going to talk today about Christ, our, our sanctifier. Now this is a, a, a picture of, of a laver. But I got to be honest, anytime I see this picture, I just have the theme. Dun, 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 dun. I just have Indiana Jones stuck in my head. You know, one of the episodes when, when they're trying to find the, the Holy Grail and, and they go in and there's this old man and the one guy picks it and he's like, you have selected poorly. And then the other guy does it and, he, and, and Indiana Jones drinks it and he's like, you have selected wisely. And it's this, this fountain of youth that when you drink the, the holy water, right, you have this holy grail, and then you have this, this, this little thing of, of water. And as I was studying and as I learned these things, that picture isn't this little cup that sits on a table. That picture is this huge, like, barrel that, that, that sits. And in the Old Testament, the holy priests would have to wash their hands and cleanse themselves before they go into the holies of holies and, and as they come out. Um, and, and so it's this signifying of, of washing, of regeneration, of, of wiping away and removing that, 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 that the sin in our lives. And so today, that is the image I want to talk about. When you look at our logo, that is one of the images that are on our logo. And, and I just want to... Talk about that. And so according to the Alliance website, the labor symbol represents the daily cleansing from sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And that is found in 2 Peter 1, 3. Jesus, this morning. God, this is a process that you created. And I pray, Jesus, that this morning that your spirit would just flush it out, Lord. God, help us to understand the significance of a labor, the significance of, of what it means for you to be our sanctifier. And I pray that this morning, Jesus, that you would do miraculous things in our lives. And I pray that not only um, as we celebrate the, the come to Jesus moments that most of us had at some point, God, I pray that we'll continually celebrate the come to Jesus moments that we have every day in you because of your cross. So God, speak, and may we listen. In Jesus' name, amen. So we often talk um, that, that the church is a hospital for the broken and for the sick. We often talk about how you come as you are. Like, come. Like, no matter, no matter your baggage, no matter what's happening in your life, come. 
Uh, we want to share Jesus. We want you to meet Jesus. But here's the thing. How many of you guys have ever gone to a hospital expecting to stay the same? Right, but but even like for those that are nurses, I mean, how would you feel somebody going to the hospital, coming up saying, "I know I injured myself, but I'm not going to take anything you're saying. I want to stay the same." Have you ever had anybody that says that? Like, I'm just here, but I expect to stay the same. I want to stay the same. Uh, I don't care. Like, no. Regardless, many times that we go to a hospital, we expect to find out something that's wrong with us, and we want direction. We want something to help us to move forward. We don't expect to stay the same. Um, it, it's just like me, right? Like uh, with, with my knee, and, and right now I'm not wearing a brace, and I should be wearing a brace because the doctor said, hey, wear a brace. But I went to the, the urgent care the other day to get it checked out, and I knew something was up, and, and she, she told me, hey, you have a sprained MCL. Like it's going to take a couple weeks to heal. Um, wear a brace. Put some ice on it. Unless you're a, a professional athlete, we're not going to do anything for it. But here's guidelines of how to get it better. Rest ice, embrace it. Don't do anything that's going to cause trauma. I could have sat there and said, like, I'm not really going to listen to you. I'm just going to go home and I'm just going to want to leave in pain. Like nobody wants to stay in pain. Am I right? Like that's not something we want. Like we don't go to hospital with, with, with diseases or sicknesses just to expect to stay sick. We expect that we want to get better, and so we go to the hospitals, we go to the doctors expecting something. And, and that is Jesus' desire for our lives. In Romans 6, it says this, Well then, shall we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now also we may live new lives. When we accept Jesus, we don't expect to stay in our sin. Like if someone says, hey, come to Jesus, he's going to wipe away all your sins and, and, and he's going to renew you. The idea isn't, well, he's going to renew me, but I'm going to expect to stay in my sin. If someone expects to continue leaving their sins after they've claimed to believe in Jesus, that, that is not a true salvation moment. Like salvation is the beginning of a new life in Jesus. And so Paul is writing and, and he's saying, well, once you accept Jesus, what are you to do? You are to stop sinning. The, the antidote, the, the solution to our problem as a fallen people, as people who sin, is that we stop sinning. But if you found, even as believers who've been faithfully following for years, that is hard to just stop sinning. Sinning, just to stop sinning is hard and it's difficult. And just like I showed you uh, with the solution, we cannot by ourselves do it. We can't stop sinning by ourselves. And so you ask the question, okay, Jesus, you tell us to stop sinning. And, you know, Peter writing a letter says to, to be holy as I am holy. Okay, God, you expect us to be holy. You expect us to be sinless. You expect us to be righteous. Like your sin, when you forgave us, Jesus, your word says that you've justified us and you've called us righteous. But God, this is hard. Most of the time when we lead someone to Jesus, we don't warn them that it's going to be one of the most difficult journeys that they are going to go on, but it's going to be one of the most fruitful, peaceful, enjoyable lives 
but it's going to be hard. And so we couldn't, we, we, we need to stop sinning. Our, our sin has been crucified with Jesus. We know that the power of sin is being released. Like when, when Jesus saves us, he pulls us out of the power that death has over us and sets us apart. In 1 Corinthians 1.30 it says, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. That word holiness, in some translations, it says uh, sanctification. And, and that's what I want to talk about today. So we're going to talk about the idea that, that, that holiness and sanctification are, are, are the same word. And so in this, we, we see that it's because of Jesus that we are made pure, we're made blameless, we're made holy, that his righteousness has become our righteousness, that he has redeemed us, he has bought the price, he's paid the price for our sins. And so we know that, right? We know that, that Jesus has died for us and we've accepted that. And so what's next? 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 24 says this, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your Holy Spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So what, what are we to do? 19 says, do not quench the Spirit. I got to say, I wish that when I accepted Jesus, somebody told me about the Holy Spirit. Growing up, in my first three years of learning about Jesus, I, have, uh, I, you know, I, I, I was told Bible stories, but the one thing that I never heard about really was the power of the Spirit in our lives. And the beautiful thing about the Alliance is that, 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 that our foundation is found on the Spirit, the, the power of the Spirit. Acts 1a says, but when, the, Spirit, uh, when the, the power of the Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. The power of the Spirit is everything. And so when it says, do not quench the Spirit, he's saying, don't, don't suffocate the Spirit. Don't choke the Spirit. Like, allow the Spirit to do its work in your lives. And when we talk about this power of the Spirit coming over you, it's not just about witness. When we tend to talk about these passages, we talk about how, how the Spirit's going to give you the power to share your faith, but most of us don't talk about how the power is actually going to also help you grow in your faith. It's going to help you grow in Jesus. It's going to help you follow Jesus. It's going to help you overcome sin, and, and it's going to help you to stop pursuing evil. And so, as, as believers, we are to reject every kind of evil, but here's the beautiful thing about, about this passage. So the command is reject every kind of evil. Okay, we're, we're, we're to reject sin. But what Paul does here is that he, he goes on to, say, to do a prayer, and he says, I pray that God himself, the God of peace, will sanctify you through and through. The first thing today that we're going to understand, and we're going to do a, a part two next week of this, but the first thing I need you guys to understand and want us to understand is that, that the sanctifying work of Jesus is the power of Jesus in our lives. Just like I, I tried to pour our power, one they said our power, into the thing and nothing happened, we need to understand that, that without the power of Jesus, we cannot stop doing evil. 
by our own might, by our own power, we are going to continue to, to, to slip up. We're going to continue to fall. We're going to continue to pursue evil. Why? Because that is exactly what our flesh wants to do. We fight this constantly, but with the power of Jesus, it, it's Jesus that would, would help us to o- overcome that. Now, I remember when I first got saved, it was fifth grade. And I remember in fourth grade, I would curse my teachers out. I, I, I would ream them out. I would have an angry attitude. If I got kicked out of the classroom, I would hit my head against the wall as hard as possible because I was angry. I was an angry little child, and I was disobedient. But I remember, like, as part of that sanctifying work in my life, I remember that when I got saved, the idea of cursing was not something I wanted to do again. And by God's grace, he helped me to to overcome that moment. But without the power of Jesus, I would have kept down that track. And who knows where I would have been nowadays. But it's because of Jesus in my life. And so Paul is praying that, 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 that the God of peace would sanctify us. May the Holy Spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. Paul is praying this. And then he, I love what he says. He gives this promise, and he says that the one who calls you is faithful. When we look at this, and we look at what's ahead of us, and we look at the hard part of pursuing Jesus, of living a holy life or a life that's pleasing to Jesus, and we see all the sin, and we're like, God, this is hard. This is hard. I, I, I sometimes, Lord, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I don't see some of the things like as I go forward. And Paul is reminding them that the God who calls you is faithful. We need to understand that when it comes to, to us becoming more like Jesus, we need to understand and trust that God's faithful, that he will continue this. And so in all of this, we need to talk a little bit about what sanctification is. So sanctification comes from the word hagias, which means to be set apart. It means to to be holy. It means to be sacred. And, And there's two versions of sanctification. There's a positional and there's a progressive. And so positional is saying that that when we accept Jesus, Christ is taking us out of the penalty of sin. He's literally lifting us out of the grasp of death and hell, and he's setting us apart for something more. He's taking us out of this world, this sinful world, and he's setting us apart, declaring us holy, declaring us righteous, and he's saying, now I want you to live this way. And so positionally in Christ, when we accept Jesus, the Bible says that we are declared righteous. We're declared holy. When God looks at us, he he doesn't see a sinner anymore. He sees a saint who still struggles with sin. And then when I was doing my ordination papers and I was writing this, I I, I found the identity of, no, we are sinners. And one of my leaders said, no, in Christ, your identity is no longer a sinner. When you accept Jesus, you're no longer a sinner. You are now a saint that is redeemed, that still struggles with sin. But I needed to understand that my identity is no longer this, but is now what Christ has set me apart for, and that is a Christ-filled life. But I had to, to understand that positionally we are no longer sinners. We struggle with sin, but we're no longer sinners because we are redeemed in Christ. And so positionally, we are, are, we're redeemed. 
But the thing is, is as you guys can tell, those who have, who have been faithful for many years, you know that there's this raging war that continues to well up inside of you. And even Paul says, the things that I, I don't want to do, I do. And the things I want to do, I don't because of this, this battle between the flesh and the spirit in my life. And so we know that this raging battle is going on. And so Jesus, while you've declared me righteous, I still struggle here. What do I need to understand? And we need to understand that sanctification is progressive. Like, I don't know if you've ever watched Captain America, but the beginning of it, you know, you have this little small scrawny man that's dealing with some things who tries to get into the military, and they're like, no, you're not getting in. Like, you don't fit. You're not equipped. But then he goes into this big machine, and out pops this big buff guy with muscles and abs and all these things, and, and, and that transformation was immediate. Yeah, that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is not this immediate, I'm a, I'm a Christian now and I'm going to stop singing and I'm going to stop uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to live this holy life. And, and then you quickly realize that that is not true. You come back down to reality and realize that while you believe in Jesus, you are still slipping up and you're still falling into this, this flesh. And so progressive sanctification is a lifelong commitment. But we always don't tell people that when we lead them to Jesus, and now you are going to, to be in a struggle for the rest of your life until Jesus comes back. And while that is hard, it is beautiful to watch as Jesus molds and shapes and changes your, your outlook on life and it changes the way you act and it changes the way you speak and it changes the way you, you treat people and all these things. And so A.B. Simpson says this, the deeper meaning of the passage is that sanctification is the work of God himself. Talking about this Thessalonians passage. The literal translation of this phrase would be the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly. It expresses in the most emphatic way his own direct personality of the author of our sanctification. It is not the world of man nor means nor of our own struggles but his own prerogative. It is the gift of the Holy Ghost, the fruit of the Spirit, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the prepared inheritance of all who will enter in, the great attainments of faith, not the attainments of works. It is divine holiness, not human self-improvement or perfection. It is the inflow into man's being of the life and purity of the infinite, eternal and holy one, bringing his own perfection and working out in us his own will. Sanctification is not the work of man. It is first and foremost the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is the personality and character and holiness of Christ becoming ours. It's bringing his own perfection and it's him working out his will in our lives. Christ's desire for us is to be holy. That's what's next. I love this passage in Ephesians 5. We typically use it as a, a husband and, and wife's marriage encouragement verse, but I love what it says. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Christ died to make her, the, his church, holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. 
Christ's desire of dying on the cross wasn't just to, to save us from the pit of hell, but to regenerate us, to make us holy and blameless, to, to present us as this radiant, beautiful church to him, to his Father. Christ's desire is way more than just this get-out-of-hell card. Christ's desire is to create us back into his purpose, which is the image of Jesus. He was, his desire is to make us without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. And we can look throughout all scripture and this, this act of sanctification, this act of being set apart or separate can be played out in God's interaction with the world and people. We can go all the way back to Genesis when he set apart light from darkness. They, he, he set apart light from darkness. And then he, later on he says that he, he set apart a day for Sabbath and he called it holy. He set this apart from everything else. And that is God's desire for us and, and, and our, his will for our lives. And I read this somewhere, and I don't know where I read it, and, and I don't remember who said it, but I love what it said. Sanctification is not attained on the basis of human merit, but like all aspects of salvation, is a fully an act of God's sovereign grace based on merits of Christ alone. Sanctification is not attained by anything that we can do in ourselves per se, but it's on the power of Jesus. God's desire is to form us in the Christ-likeness. That's his desire for us. His desire is to save us from the pit of hell, to, to pull us out of, of the bondage of sin, and, and to make us into his son's image to make us holy and blameless. We were created to be set apart, and the cross provided the pathway for that to happen. We need to understand that God isn't an absentee God. He isn't a God that just steps back and just without giving instruction. He gives us instruction through commands. And we need to remember that when God commands us, it isn't to earn his love, but it's a way for him to show his love. He is literally, when we look at his word and we look at the steps, he's living, literally giving us the way to fulfilled life. And everything that we do, he's literally giving the way for us to have a fulfilled life. And so what needs to be sanctified, what needs to be created holy, what needs to continually be more into his likeness, and it's everything, Everything of who we are, it's our, it's our flesh, which is including our physical bodies, which, which in Scripture... When you look at Scripture as a whole, there, there's three phases to salvation. There, there is you are saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. And so the, the, the salvation, the justification part, and then now we're talking about being saved, which is sanctification, and, and there's a part where we will be saved, which, which we title glorification. It's when, when, when Christ comes back and we return home with him and he fully gives us a glorified body. But everything needs to be sanctified, our, our flesh, our emotions, our feelings, and most importantly, our spirit. Our spirit is everything we are. It's our desires, our passions. It's what longs hard after God. Unfortunately, our spirit is dead upon us being born. Because of sin, we are born dead. But it's when we accept Jesus as our Savior that our spirit, our spirit is brought back to life. But the need to be fully separated from, from our flesh and from sin is an ongoing progress. 
which is why our spirit needs to be sanctified because it's everything that we are and who we are. But who sanctifies us? Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says that we are sanctified by the Spirit. Acts 1.8 that I said earlier, that the power of the Spirit will come upon us. That power of the Spirit is what gives us and what sanctifies us and what, what keeps us becoming more like Jesus Christ. And I hope what this does is that frees you from the burden of trying to do it yourselves. That it frees you from allowing the Spirit to say, let me do it. I got this. It's the power of the triune God. So what are we to do? Well, first and foremost, we are to desire the power of the Spirit in our lives. We are to desire the sanctifying work of Jesus. Second, we are to not only pray for our work and Christ's sanctifying work over us, but we are to pray for each other's sanctifying work. We always pray, and everyone says, pray that I have an opportunity to share my faith because they need to meet Jesus. But we often don't say, hey, let's pray for this person's sanctifying life. Let's pray that God will continually make them holy, that God will continually make them blemished, that God will continually make them into his likeness and his image. We tend to not pray that. But if you look at Paul in all his letters, he prays that, he prayed that the God of peace will sanctify you. He's praying that God himself will sanctify them. We are called to pray for each other. We're called to pray that God will continue his work in, in each and every single one of us. And we are to trust that the God who calls us is faithful. Philippians 1.6 says, Be confident of this, that you who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God promises that he will continue to do this, that he will continually make him make you like his son, Jesus, make us like his son, Jesus. And he'll keep doing this until the day that Jesus Christ comes back. Nowhere in scripture does it promise that we are going to, to, to have holiness, pure holiness on this world. But it does promise that in Christ we are declared holy and we are declared righteous and God begins this work until he comes back. So we are to keep pursuing him. We are to continue to pursue Christ's work in us. This isn't going to be easy. It's going to be painful. I don't know about you, but I've experienced moments where Christ gets my heart, and it is hurt, and it's painful, and it's convicting, and I don't like that feeling. But afterwards, I, I, I get the sense of freedom in my life because Christ has allowed me to overcome struggles in my life. And I see it, and I understand it. Salvation is just the beginning of this worthwhile journey. And this idea of sanctification is what God desires to do in our life. Because we need to understand that the same power that brings people to Jesus is the same power that is creating us to be like him. Christ doesn't just stop. He, doesn't, he didn't just raise from the dead just so that people can come to him. He rose from the dead, defeating death so that we would become like him holy, blameless, without blemish. And it's Christ's blood that allows us to do it, and we cannot forget that, because we cannot, by our own, earn his salvation. We can't earn his sanctification. It's all because of the blood of Jesus. That is the beautiful thing about Christianity. There's nothing we can do will ever make God love us less, and there's nothing we can do that will make him love us more. His love is ours because he freely gives it. 
we are to accept it and we are to pursue it and we're continue to pursue it and we, we continue to expect Christ's moments in our lives because it's in that that we become like his son Jesus. And so today's message is this, is that it's all about Christ's power. And you might be wondering, okay, what are we to do? You're going to have to come back next week for that. Let's pray. Jesus, this morning, God, you are good, you are faithful. And we look at your word, Jesus, and we see that you declare us to be holy. Your will for our lives is holiness and blameless and without blemish. And we need to understand that, God, positionally we are sanctified, we are, we are declared righteous. But, God, it is a work in progress that's going to continue to happen, and we need to trust and know that you are faithfully doing this, Jesus. So continually to cut away, mold us, make us into your image, Lord Jesus. But God, as we sing this next song, may our prayer be, Lord, I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and join.